0: Welcome into the Husker twenty four seven podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. We are now officially a week behind one of the most exciting riveting signing days of all time. Gentlemen, have you recovered from what was a real slog to get through last Wednesday with all of Nebraska's signees?
1: Yeah, have you caught up on your sleep from all that Demarion Houston coverage? Yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, <laughs> I think that I am I think I'm good to go. I think I am, uh, I think I'm here, I think I'm ready. Uh, I was not prepared on Monday for uh, just trying to have a, you know, met some people for lunch, not really planning on looking at my phone the whole time, and then the noon hour just gets blown to hell with all of the news that uh, was rolling in on a Monday in February. So, uh, we, we got a, actually something to talk about this week, which sometimes these... These podcasts are a little bit hard post-signing day, pre-spring practice.
1: That's the way it always is. It feels like there's nothing, 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 everything. Yeah. All at one hour.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was, well, it was funny, too, because you're like, oh, they, they got a transfer punter. That's going to be the news of the day. <laughs> Which <laughs> is big, usually, in, like, February. Right. And then it's like, oh, Mike Dawson's moving on. And, oh, that was the next thing. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> So, you're talking about sp- the spring game kick time, obviously. Yeah, yeah, spring game kick time was in there as well. <laughs> big deal.
0: And it's officially sold out, obviously. I mean, that's a, you know, huge, huge thing that I'm sure we'll highlight every week leading up to the spring game. Do we do we have any opening banter? Do we want to jump right into
2: Mike Dawson and everything else? I, I'm just shocked that the Denver Broncos are apparently going to trade for Joe Flacco. I mean, I'm yeah. still, if I seem a little off today, it's because I'm... Flacco, Keenum, QB battle. Yeah, I'm I, seething over here. I get it when you're
0: you're Elway and your move last year was you got a guy who lost in the NFC Championship game. So this year you need a guy who's done it, who's gone the entire way. They don't want to wait for Nick Foles. It's time to go get Joe Flacco.
2: And then, and then they're going to follow that up with a Drew Locke draft pick. So you're going to have Joe Flacco and Drew Locke as, as the Broncos quarterbacks.
0: What happens to Chad Kelly and Case Keenum?
2: Well, apparently the scuttlebutt is, is that Keenan might be moving on to to maybe the New
1: York Giants. That
0: actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does.
1: You put him with Pat Shermer. Yeah, reunite him. Where's uh where's Foles going Jacksonville? That would probably
0: be the that would probably be the guess, right? Yeah. Um I don't know. I honestly I don't I don't know where he kind of fits better than he does now. Mm-hmm. It's a weird deal.
2: I gotta tell you, I was watching the Alliance of American Football this weekend, just checking out the quarterback play, wondering if if there was an option somewhere in there for Denver. <laughs> and uh I'm still gonna be watching with that in mind. Did you did you actually watch any of the games? I I watched San Antonio and uh um The Saturday night one. San Diego, yeah. Yeah. I apparently don't have CBS Sports Network, I found out, which was disappointing. Yeah,
0: considering all of the games and sometimes the Mountain West games
2: that appear on there. Yeah.
0: I know you're a big uh Tedford guy, big Fresno State watcher, that's mm. got to be difficult for you.
2: Well, I mean, I, I had it, and then it was gone. Like, I, I had it in the fall.
0: So now you need to, to change out, which you've been discussing anyway, to change out your cable package and find one that has CBS Sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just doing a hard search on what streaming services offer CBS Sports Network.
2: I that was actually a, a concern of mine, especially getting into football season. I <laughs> love I love the late night Mountain West kick. You want me to I be a that. you so want like me to be a almost. company
0: guy right now? Yes. If you have CBS All Access, you get CBS uh, okay. coverage of the AAF. Okay. So you can you can watch that. That's good to know. So
1: I only watch like two minutes, but from what I gather, apparently quarterbacks can just get lit up in this league. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Happened a couple of times.
0: Yeah. Uh, other, you know, real big takeaways I had from watching parts of three out of the four games, and, and not just parts, like, I mean, pretty much three-fourths of three out of four games. Uh, Trent Richardson is back. He had, like, 23 carries for 55 <laughs> yards. That's pretty exciting. He had two touchdowns. Mike Singletary looked outclassed by a guy who'd never been a head coach before the The Memphis Express, they don't look like they have it. Mike Riley, won with defense on Saturday night.
2: But no. did you did you guys see the the picture afterwards? Yeah, <laughs> where Sean Eichhorst is glaring in the. It's background. just like lingering in the background. Mike Riley is wearing like a flannel, like a flannel shirt that's about three sizes too large. Right. And some baggy jeans.
0: And a stocking hat that, like, is worn like an old man where it's kind of like it's not pulled down. It just sits up, and so it's got kind of the peak thing going with it yeah. a little
1: bit. His wardrobe is very similar to what, like, I might have worn at Omaha North in 1997.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say what you might have worn yesterday when you went to High V.
1: Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> my, my wardrobe and CDs, which I still have the case in my car, are pretty much stuck in uh, a certain era. Nice. So uh none of Nebraska's players really had a lot to
2: more
0: played well. Yeah. I that's fair. I, I was thinking more so the stallions. you ran into the hot shots,
2: which are clearly the class of the league, uh where Kyron Williams plays safety for them. I, I was I have to say that I was I was close to muting you during your hotshots talk. <laughs> like I was real close on Twitter. <laughs> you just weren't impressed by it? <laughs> it was it was a sturdy, a steady drumbeat of hotshots talk that I wasn't ready for,
1: yeah, and it was. It's like beyond like a guy going on an NBA it, Twitter rant. It was I mean, like NBA
2: Twitter in the middle <laughs> of a World Series type thing.
0: To be fair, ninety percent of it was aimed at Jack Mitchell. I understand because he he wanted to go back and forth, and then his team just didn't show up for the game. Yeah. So.
1: I think I encouraged it then too because I sent a link of somebody's power rankings that had the hotshots atop the list after week one, which I liked that somebody. Spent the time to do that.
0: Not just somebody. CBS Sports. (laughs) Yeah, one of ours. (laughs) You guys got to be all in. It's part of the company. Yeah. You want to get those blue blazers from the Super Bowl, you need to be more company. I'm
1: disappointed none of you guys offered any thoughts on my mystery hat. We had these mystery hats, and I got a Spurs one. You got the best out of the group, I think. You know what? I was going to bring it over and give it to one of you. (laughs) And then as I was leaving, I was like, eh, I'll put it on my head. I still could give it to you, but if you're like me, once it goes on somebody's yeah. head... It's, it's your hat. You're not what? taking that. <laughs> Would you take a hat that's been okay, on somebody's head? Okay, do I have head? to put the
0: stupid Redskins hat on now? Uh, it's just been be sitting sit on my and table and just a sat... Like, just take it out of the bag, at least. <laughs> no. I, you're not going to send it back. What Brian said is fair. Like If I take it out of the bag, then it becomes my possession. It's not I your
1: s- possession until you put it on your head. You're going to re-gift that, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I just got to find somebody who wants them.
1: There's got to be a listener who's a Redskins fan.
0: Maybe Steve Spurrier of the AAF wants it from his uh,
1: great time there in Washington.
2: Maybe
0: so.
1: What's your ruling on a hat? Would you put a hat on or would you take a hat if you really liked it from somebody if they said, hey, I just wore it like one time? They're a very clean person, but they've worn it one time for 60 minutes. No, I
2: um, you, you may as well take their underwear from <laughs> it, them. It, yeah. So it
0: depends on the situation. Like I wouldn't keep the hat, but if it was like a, you know, I've done it where I've gone golfing and we have like a themed costume to it, and okay. someone's loaning me a hat for that specific
2: thing. <laughs> Bruns is pissed over here. Anti Bluetooth speaker. What kind of themed costumes were you guys wearing on the golf course? Like, <laughs> is it, it like a sorority wild. party? What we did was is it golf uh, pros and. Uh, It's a a benefit
0: golf outing in Columbus, or had been running every year, and the guy who the benefit was for used to run the the Pop Warner football thing, and so it was a uh, Columbus area youth midget football hat. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rest of my teammates were generally wearing their midget football jerseys from when they played. Nice. Uh, Mine did not fit from seventh grade anymore, (laughs) so... I had to opt for the hat in order to to fit with what my my team had. Did going you have like on. the I,
1: cool like nineteen eighty seven Miami Hurricanes look where you could have like cut it and had it at the? Um, yeah. I was on
0: <laughs> I was on the Huskies where it had like the the you know half jersey pretty much, yeah. which is great when you're in Pop Warner and all those abs that everybody have. Um, and then I was on the Raiders, and that that point they they had gone to the really like. Lengthy, like everybody had super long jerseys, and they were the they were like an entirely different material. It like switched in the time at which I played. It was a, the really cheap, you know, kind of gritty yeah. jersey type, and then it switched to like the smoother, nice type.
1: If I could make one uniform change to college football, I would allow the guys to cut their jerseys again because I just it was so ridiculous, but also yeah. f- funny to me. <laughs> it, like, it somehow made them look tough, yeah. Well, I mean, the guys. They're proud of their abs. I get yeah. it, but
0: yeah, no, I, Anyway, that was interesting. You know, we we got all over there. Started with Joe Flacco and ended with abs. Yeah, some ab talk. Yeah,
2: should we uh, should we get into some Husker Husker talk? We're at ten look, minutes
0: look at now. I I threw it out there. It, Brian, you want to start with it. Mike Dawson? Let's start with Mike. Well, do you want to start with the spring game? Is one o'clock the best time? Uh, I like it. It's on TV. I was rooting for 8 a.m. Just get it started, get it over with.
2: I believe that's Masters weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, d-
0: I don't want to spend any more time at that stadium than I have to on that Saturday. So,
2: Well, you'll be there till about 4. Yeah, 4. 4
0: seems light. Game's at 1. Game's get over at 3. Post-game probably doesn't even start until
1: 3.30. Yeah, we're out of the moving day equation that weekend in, yeah. in Augusta. Yeah. One of us could just have it playing in the press box.
2: I'm sure it will be. Should do that. Um, so one o'clock, we're okay with, but not ideal. Um, I'm trying to think. Of the the
0: fact that it sold out the second year in a row is that a thing to you? And by thing, like, are you... I was asked this on a couple of different radio shows. Is that impressive to recruits? From what you recall, talking to people last year, or you know, anything of that
2: nature. I mean, it's impressive. It's something that Nebraska can certainly sell because, I mean, they sell the fan support angle pretty well, I think. So, I mean, it's – as much as it is, you know, we're around it every day. So, it's kind of like, well, you know, of course they would, you know, sell it out. Like, I guess – it's not a huge surprise. I, right. think, I think outside of the Nebraska bubble, it probably resonates a lot more than it does. To me, I don't think it resonates a ton with recruits unless they actually see it. Because like if you're here
0: and you see that there's 80,000 right. people right. for a spring game, right. like I, don't, I don't know if it matters to a kid who doesn't come on the visit. Right. I guess is what I'm getting at. Uh, as much as the idea of you know selling out 300, how many games are they at now? 60-something? Oregon was 350. That was a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah
2: they're like 367 or something like yeah. that.
0: So, I mean, I, I think that actually probably works more. But the it's still impressive, like you said, and it still shows the commitment and the fervor of a fan base that coming off of, you know, back-to-back four-and-eight seasons. You're selling out spring games back-to-back years, so. Uh, and I also wonder if some of it just stems from the way that Frost has even talked about things or the way the season finished, where you know people weren't ready for that season to end because Nebraska had finally kind of hit their stride.
1: well, I think there's that, and I mean, look at all the other sports aside from volleyball. It's just i mean right now there's <clears throat> there's nothing to get that they fired just had up their about. first sub four minute mile well, okay. <laughs> Wrestling is doing well. we'll get our wrestling Well, we don't want to talk about wrestling number seven, but somebody over here I mean, doesn't, a, everybody's isn't very
0: impressed, thinks there's only ten teams in the entire <laughs> sport. Just saying,
1: Big Ten's a little tougher. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's tough. There's no question. You know the silliest uh thing with the spring game attendance when it first started or was when television first started coming into play with spring games where they're first appearing like on the Big Ten network. And I wrote this probably a couple times, and then I realized how stupid it is, like how this is like a big advantage recruiting-wise that it's on television. I, I think about this. Do you think if you're a 17-year-old kid who's, or 16-year-old kid who's got the world by a string, probably having a lot more fun of a weekend than we are, that uh, you're sitting around watching a lot of spring um, football?
0: I, this is maybe breaking news to some people, but they don't even watch Nebraska's regular
1: games I know. for the most part. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know. But this was like a narrative for a few years, and it was one of the silly ones we'd put out there.
0: Well, now we can jump into Mike Dawson. A little more uh, meat and potatoes with than spring game talk, I suppose. Were you – we'll start with this. If you were guessing which of Nebraska's assistants would be most likely to leave, was Dawson high on that list, or were you a
2: little surprised that he was the first to – to deflect, if you will, or defect. I think on the first first glance, I was surprised that it was Dawson. But when you kind of dig into why why he left and where he's going, I think it makes sense. I mean, there's so many connections with the the giant current Giants staff and that Eagles staff that he was a part of. Um, you know, there's assistant coaches that he coached with uh, on the Giants that you know coached with in college, and, and there's just he was a northeast guy, he's got family up there, like it, it makes sense why he's going back there. Like and then you throw in the fact that, you know, the NFL has their pension rules and mm-hmm. things like that. I mean it's it, it makes sense. So I was more surprised that that it was him initially, but um I, I you know, not surprised now that I kind of dug into it a little bit and, and seen all those connections
1: he was also one of those guys who he hadn't coached long enough that you could make the judgment yet is this a college guy or an nfl guy you know so at some point you have you've coached like 25 years and you've been in college for 20 you're like okay he likes this this type of football and guys are never just going to flat out say yeah i'd prefer to coach in the nfl when they're in college but you know maybe that's it i mean maybe just a guy who he's experienced both and likes that a little bit better. I mean, it, he wasn't. He did recruit well. I mean, we'll see how those guys pan out. So it wasn't like this was a guy who he came here and he showed that he wasn't interested in recruiting or anything like that. You have to say. Recruited very well. I mean, he was one of the better guys in the class, or, you know, coaches, with Ty Robinson as the headliner. But, um, so, you know, good for him. Um, if you only lose one guy um, from your staff a year, that's pretty darn good in this day and age. And I know everybody was so used to, like, a decades of the same staff, but that is so, so unusual, especially yeah. in 2019. It's just not going to happen anymore.
0: Yeah, I thought they'd get one more year where they were all together at Nebraska, and then – and I still think this. I think you're going to have some major pieces to replace next year in that staff because I'm assuming success for Nebraska. And then some of these guys are just ready for – more opportunities and you think about it, it's pretty remarkable that an entire staff stuck together in a coaching transition and over a three year period where they saw, you know, both a ton of success and also were on the side of two sort of rebuilds at the beginning of, of a thing. So uh, it's impressive that they've stuck together this long. I wouldn't have necessarily thought Dawson, but like Brunt said, as he was going through his explanation there, it all lines up. It all makes sense where, Makes sense, too. I mean, he's very much a Northeast guy, and I'm sure he'll do well there. I, I do think it's a blow for Nebraska in the sense that Dawson did a lot of recruiting in New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut. They didn't necessarily always end up with people because of him, but he got into that school with Javante Jean-Baptiste, Bergen Catholic, which helped you get Ramirez Johnson. Uh, Casey Rogers is a direct result of his connections in Connecticut. Uh, They still have people on their staff that can recruit the Northeast, that have connections Mm -hmm. to the Northeast, but it's not quite the same. And um, I'll be curious if if they lose a little of the momentum they've had going there. And then with the defensive line, not even so much the recruiting, because I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm curious this next hire, they've got a kind of an interesting year ahead of them. Because you've got to get – quite a bit out of Damian Daniels and you've got some young guys that need to be ready to to help out right and so it's a it's a developmental teaching kind of year and whoever inherits that you're gonna have some people looking at you for some real guidance on how to get better because they don't have a ton of finished products on that defensive line so it whoever it's it's got to be someone that can teach as much as the recruiting aspect
1: well I mean it it's the fourth D-line coach in five years coming yeah. in here, so you're, you're in that cycle like they've had with the secondary. Where which is funny
0: because we never really talk about the defensive line coach yeah. as much.
1: We, we haven't. I think people are – it's kind of dawning on them with this move that, okay, they're, they're on that carousel too. I think it's a really attractive job offer, which I uh, wrote the other day. In part because of what you're saying about, I think the room is interesting. Like, I think a guy yeah, who really I like likes teaching would like kind of like the mix of older guys with these guys like Wildeman and Rogers and the new, you know, true freshmen. It's kind of exciting, I think. Plus, that salary is going to be darn competitive if they want it to be uh, with about any D line job in the country. I mean, Dawson was making 475 k to coach a position group. That's a lot of. It's a lot of scratch. It's more
0: than a special teams coach made at Nebraska, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was reminded of that often, that Figure <laughs> the old 450K tweet. I thought
2: San Antonio's special teams were actually pretty good in that game, by the way. Yeah? Is that where Bruce
0: Reed is, is at? No, he's not. Oh. But oh. <laughs> quick Man, you have me there. I believe. I
2: was all like, whoa. I believe that he is now at uh, Northern Arizona okay. um, as their special teams coordinator after a quick stop through the CFL. Um just standing in front of banners off to the side on practice days. Pretty much. Right. Um, and it's it's an interesting – we've talked about this. that There's some connections with the staff too that, like, I understand that when you're talking about who do we replace a coach with at Nebraska, you almost always immediately go to people who either played the position <laughs> at the school or people who – have some connection, like went there and are now in the coaching ranks. And John Perel's name obviously popped up first. There's other connections, uh, Nebraska connections. A got like Steve Stannard, who's at Syracuse now, who overlapped with Zach Duvall when they're at Wyoming. Um, there's, you know, some some interesting guys. I mean, we threw Jerry Montgomery's name out. Yeah. Uh, with the yeah. Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that flag. would be
0: a slam dunk oh, hire from the hire. recruiting yeah. aspect of it.
2: Right. And, you know, College teammate with Eric Chenander. He coached with those guys for a long time at Northern Iowa. I mean, you have to figure out, does he want to come back to college football? He did briefly and then went back to pro football. Ron Aiken, who's coaching with your um, – Hot shots. Your hot shots in the AAF. Felt like you were going to get the name wrong, so I interjected. I, I was searching for it, so I appreciate the assist. He was with Frost and Chenander at, um, at Oregon, was also at Iowa when Eric Chenander was there. Uh, Angus McClure's name always seems to pop up um, whenever you have a, a defensive line opening. You know whose name can't pop up but would pop up for
0: a while? Because he's now a head coach at LSU. Oh, coach
1: yeah. O. He's, he's, uh, Maybe he'd still want to do it. <laughs> there, there's, there's a select audience that would actually yeah. believe that too. Where's where's Tosh at? That's the <laughs> other one. People want Tosh. Well, he's
2: with John Pearl in Cleveland. Is he? Yeah. Didn't, Didn't he just coach, take that job? He's coaching the D-line
1: for the Browns, and Perella is his defensive line assistant. I get the sense you guys are part of the Bah humbug crew with me when it comes to – Just in to, general, yes. Yeah, but also when it comes to that whenever there's an opening, it's always just like some Nebraska name that is mentioned. It uh, – yeah.
2: <laughs> it's. I mean, it's, it's very obvious, and it. it happens. I get it, but – there, there's just other. I mean, even a guy like Bryce Pop, coached with those guys at Northern Iowa a little bit. He's back at Northern Iowa. You know, there's intriguing options out there.
1: I don't mind like a parella mention because at least there's sure. there's some sensibility to it. There are other names where they, Jason n- Peter they have not coached, and it's just
0: Graham Winstrom.
1: <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> doesn't make sense to me, but that's just me.
2: But the, you got to find a guy pretty quickly. Cause, I mean, you March 4th, yep. you're starting spring ball. So I, I don't think that Scott Frost was caught off guard by this by any means. He said in that statement that he basically had a weak head start on it. Yep. So, I mean, even if you really go kind of out there a little bit more, I mean, Tony Samuel coached some defensive line. He's available, but, I mean, you, you, I, I think – what you said about the salary part of it, I think you can be pretty darn competitive with who you try to target and who you get in that position.
1: More often than not, it's someone we haven't mentioned that I've never heard of, and most people haven't.
0: And people are immediately underwhelmed and assume that Nebraska didn't spend any money on this.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much been most every assistant hire that's ever happened has been that storyline. So I would expect it to – I'm going to bet on history here and say it It uh, duplicates again, and that's what we get.
0: Bryce Pop is kind of an interesting one. I don't know if I'd
2: heard that name before. Yeah, I was at Minnesota for a year and then bounced back to northern Iowa.
1: This guy is one – Bruns is one of the best guys, I think, at throwing out like interesting names, <laughs> except for his Ernie Kent fascination. Yeah, I am
0: borderline annoyed every time he mentions Ernie Kent anymore. Did because you see the weekend he had in, yeah, in Arizona? Yeah, they swept Arizona. Let's let's move on from Ernie Kent. Just saying, you're only on mention 712 of the horse. There's no face to the horse anymore. This, this is the ba- skull has just been splattered across the
2: entire pasture. I just wanted you to feel. The way that I felt watching your Hitman tweeting the other night. <laughs> Same thing. Hitman. <laughs> Hitman. Hot, Hot shots, shots, whatever there. it is.
0: I mean you can't even get the
2: name Hit right. Hitman would be better. Yeah. <laughs> <I
1: don't know. laughs> they could have an awesome logo yeah. too. <laughs> Just like a <laughs> like a like a knife?
2: <laughs> bloody knife.
0: Have you guys added Jimmy Williams onto your list? I haven't. <laughs> Former Nebraska player?
1: Yeah. On staff briefly. I'm
0: sure he has some ties.
1: Um well there was other news.
0: Actually no, he was just named as the Bowling Green uh defensive line coach for Carl. So
1: Oh yeah. Carl Carl's
2: at uh Youngstown now.
0: Oh yeah. So who's Bowling Green's coach? Why did I think Carl was? Was he, well, he the interim? He was briefly the interim. Oh uh, Carl is now the head coach in waiting at Youngstown State. Yeah. What if Nebraska announced Carl Polini? That's just – wouldn't that be like the the flex of Scott Frost right there that
2: he could bring back Carl Polini and it would just be widely well, beloved and accepted? Nebraska's done paying for Bo at the end of the month. I mean, he might be available. <laughs> just a defensive line coach. <laughs> That'd be something.
0: Well, now that we've painted that nightmare of a picture. Jeez. Uh Anything else you want to add on the the defensive line, or we want to jump into the the second major story of Monday? Let's jump.
2: Well, we we can jump.
0: All right. Well, uh, you guys can take it away.
1: <laughs> Who <laughs> wants to touch it? Well, Maurice Washington. Obviously, everybody is talking about that situation. It's a it's one of those ones where you can only say so much. So I think that's why we've waited to this point because i mean you kind of have to let the the legal process work itself out see what the you know is the conclusion and then people can say what they want so right now we're in that mode from where we're at you just put out what you know and it was obviously a story broken out in the bay area um And uh, it was bad. I mean, regardless of what happens, it was sure a bad headline day for Nebraska on Monday. I mean, whatever um, comes out of it, um, you're getting a really, really some tough words attached to your school and your program on Monday splashed across a bunch of national sites. So I would say this is probably the first it's going to be the first very difficult uh, situation facing Scott Frost. Uh, since he's been the head coach, but it's something you also know you're going to you're going to come across a few of these when you're in that chair. It's really difficult. The thing I like, and then I'll let you guys take it, that universities are doing more of, and I wonder if it comes into play here, is that the university is taking over some of the decision making on things like these when when it's all said and done, and I think that's beneficial. Um, for a lot of reasons, and I actually think helpful to the coach himself to not put him in the middle that it when it does work out that way,
2: yeah, Bill Moose talked about it a little bit on his radio show last night. You wrote that on the site um basically that you know the university was gonna support Maurice and they were kind of letting the the, the courts kind of you know decide things and and let that process play out i mean that that's kind of where things are at now, aside from the You know the the back and forth about the the information that's out there that seems to be taking place, but I mean, you you really don't know a ton right now that there's a a request for an arrest warrant sitting on a judge's desk somewhere in in Santa Clara County, California. So, um, you know that that's you know they're kind of in a holding pattern now, and I mean, there's probably not a a ton left to say about it. I mean, I, I think that's kind of where they're at, and we'll see. You know if what Maurice's involvement is with spring ball, what Scott Frost decides to do there. But, um, you know, they put out their statement um, on Monday, and that's kind of, I guess, where they're at right now. Well, I
1: think, I mean, it's a valid question, and it's going to get asked, you know, because the original report out of the Bay Area was like, okay, the university knew all this stuff in August, and then he played. And the athletic department statement in Moose last night were pretty strong in saying we we're approached that there's basically something they're looking into with Maurice um, and then really didn't get any details and they didn't come back to us now people can make what they will of it and say well of course somebody knew or whatever but that that people can just decide I mean that, that that's what the University of Moose has said is that we didn't really know what the specifics were and um, now we're learning about the charges basically and you know looking into it and they've told Maurice to cooperate which they say he is with the investigation so you know it'll be something that's going to play out over the next weeks maybe even a couple months still you never know how long it, those wheels are going to spin when it comes to the court so
0: yeah I uh generally just Have learned to view these things with a lens from a pretty far away uh, perspective, I guess. Because what's going to happen is going to happen. the immediate rush to judgment and argument and opinions on it is somewhat baffling because it's so early in what could be a drawn-out situation, too. And Nebraska has made their comments on it. They're probably not going to comment on it much more. Uh, I don't anticipate at any point this spring we're going to have the opportunity to talk to Maurice Washington about it, um, let alone maybe even the opportunity to talk to Maurice Washington based on the way that the university has done this before. So I'm not saying that people shouldn't discuss it, but the tones in which people have already discussed it is fascinating to me because there's, it's, so, it's in such an infancy of, of where this thing is going to go. So we don't really know what it means for Nebraska, and I think for me the easiest way to to view it is to just assume that it's status quo in terms of Maurice Washington's status and likelihood to play in twenty nineteen. Yeah, I think that's
1: I think that's fair until until you hear otherwise. That's that's the way it is, um, and I mean this is this is part of when you have a not specific cases like this, but when you have a roster. Of 150 to 160 people aged 18 to 23, one of the hardest parts of that job is always going to be everything that is brought to your desk off the field, hundreds of things we don't even know about, small things, middle sized things, big things that a coach has to think about, try to get to sleep on within it in his head. I mean, it's that's. Some of the Husker coaches who have been here before um, and anybody in a major program, that's where it takes a real special type of uh, leader and mindset to actually be the captain in that chair because that's, to me, the hardest part of the job is that at some point there's always going to be a few like major decisions you have to make that affects people's lives and, and – uh, you know how your program is viewed, and that's 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 where I guess you earn the the big dollars.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. From that, do we want to jump into uh, recruiting a little bit? Based on uh, was there anything out of the Super Six? We do the media Super Six every year. We kind of talked about our own a little bit. We didn't go individually through it, but was there anything out of the media Super Six that caught your eye? Or was it pretty much as you would expect?
1: I'm calling it up. I want to look at the votes again.
0: Uh, what we have here is a Super 6 composite. Dale Robinson was number 1, Bryce Benhart 2, Noah Pola Gates 3, Jackson Hanna 4, Nick Henrich 5, Ty Robinson 6. The Sleeper was a three-way tie of Ethan Piper, Ramir Johnson, and Jimmy Fritchie, I believe. It's a pretty good list. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's kind of the consensus. In some order, those six guys would be the the consensus that people would view it. Wasn't the same as, I think, any of our list. But for the most part, we had most of those guys and then, uh, you know, maybe a different person here or there. But as I've kind of been writing throughout this week, I mean, I thought it was hard to just cap it at six people. I went nine deep with what I considered. Uh, and then I think this class, to me, really kind of rolls – 15, 16 deep in terms of guys that I feel pretty confident can be contributors if things go right for them early in their career.
1: If I were to say two names that stick out to me that didn't get many votes, which kind of surprised me, one would be Dedrick Mills only getting one point, one Mm -hmm. vote, and Luke McCaffrey, I mean, mean, even though – I know, I think it's the Adrian Martinez factor. It's like, oh, okay, if if Adrian weren't here, Luke McCaffrey would probably be on the Super 6, wouldn't he? Because he's a QB yep. and he's named a McCaffrey. But because there's this thought, well, oh, I don't know when he's going to play, he gets three points. Um, and yet, I think he's a really exciting prospect for this program somehow, some way. I don't know what the timetable yeah. is, but... And then you hear Frost talk about him and say gushing things about his first month, how he's worked harder than any guy, you know, in the offseason they've ever had. Um, that's kind of surprising in a way, but then you understand it because of the guy who's sitting there right now leading the way at QB.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I like Luke McCaffrey a lot. I've somewhat been amused watching people try to talk themselves into him playing another position or that he's never going to take a snap. Uh, at Nebraska. I think he has the right mentality to approach this job. I think he knows full well what's in front of him with Adrian Martinez. I think he's going to redshirt, and he knows that. And I know – or not, I know. I think he knows he's setting himself up for what happens after Adrian Martinez more than anything. And he needs that time. He's only been a starting quarterback one year uh, in his career. And so he's got a lot of development. He's very raw, uh, but he's got a ton of athleticism. And I think there's a reason that Frost and Verduzco – Targeted him as much as anybody in their group of quarterbacks they liked last year. So, you're, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I had him eighth overall in terms of the 26 guys in this class, uh, and he was, you know, flirted a little bit with my super six as well. So, Ooh. um, a flirting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hey, I, I'm with you there. Um,
2: with Mills, no. I kind of get it. Though.
0: How you do? I have a tough time putting junior college guys. On this thing.
2: Was Randy Gregory? Do we, we do the Super we, 6 then? We
0: didn't do the Super 6. Randy Gregory might have been on it. Because the other thing is when you get four years to play three, it's a little bit different than where I think Mills only has two years to play two. So you kind of need to be really good in those two oh, yeah. years.
1: It's a gamble.
0: And he very well might be. But um, I just always kind of lean towards going to the, the four-year prep guy. But I, I feel that way most of the time anyways. Like, I'm not the biggest proponent of, oh, there's a need on this roster. Well, we got to go to a junior college guy to fill it. Because I I think that tends to be overblown how often that works in your favor. But it's neither here nor there.
2: I I was more intrigued by people's sleepers in this group. Because, and what constitutes a sleeper? Right. Because I – Ramir Johnson would have been my sleeper, but I think Ramir Johnson was a little bit underval, like underrated anyways. Like Ramir Johnson me is like a borderline four-star guy. Yep. And I, I I wouldn't consider him. I don't, I don't think he's being, he's being slept on, but not in the way that like. The different version of it. Right. Like Miles Farmer was my sleeper who I think is going to be pretty good. And, a guy that doesn't get a lot of run, doesn't get talked about. I mean, Jimmy Fritchie, obviously. Miles Farmer
0: of... was number seven in overall points. Yeah. A lot of people are on the, the Miles Farmer train. Were they I, just, I didn't mean that. Were as they just like being your... cute, though? Well, I... There was the accusations of people being cute. Um, Farmer also had two sleeper votes. You, you were one of those. Um, the way I view it, and, I mean, everybody has different systems. I kind of divide the class into thirds. And to me, the sleeper that I would pick would come out of the bottom third of the class, if that makes sense. Who was your sleeper? Mine was Ethan Piper.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good one. That's a good one. I probably cheated on mine. I had Jamie Nance. <laughs> I think he's in the middle of the class. Well, he, only had, uh,
0: he only had four points. Okay, so maybe the... he
1: qualifies. I've, I said this last week. I think he was a sleeper two months ago, and then he got talked yeah. about so much. He's not now. But... And I think that's
0: the same with Farmer, too. If we would have done this in December... I think the Farmer would have been considered more of a sleeper at that time. Same with Nance. Uh, and Now at this point, both of those. I mean, I had Nance at number five uh, for me. I think he's going to be. I honestly think people are going to leave the spring game and talk about Jamie Nance more than they ever probably expected going into it. I just think he's going to be a guy that jumps out to you right away because of his athleticism.
1: You know who I think could be a good sleeper, didn't get one vote, is uh, Michael Lynn. Yep. He's a, I mean, you never know with the football stuff, who's going to pick it up and who's not at this level, especially in the trenches. But he's such a sharp kid. And Frost has said he's like a 30-some-year-old when he talks. And he is. I mean, he runs a business with his brother since he was, and he's lived by himself since he was 15 years old. So he's just, he's like, probably more responsible than most of us at this table maybe not bru but probably me and maybe you Schaefer. You, yeah. yeah he'll, he'll be an interesting <laughs> to
2: follow though because he didn't didn't get offered by Colorado and with the way that the coaching changeover has kind of worked with Mel Tucker coming into that state I, I feel like Michael Lynn would have gotten offered mm-hmm. um, if, if he were you know in a in, in the 2020 class not 2019 but I, I I think he's got a chance. Um, I, I think that that's probably going to end up being a miss for Colorado um, just in terms of what he's able to do in his career. But um, I, I was surprised though, that there weren't more mentions of uh, Darian chase. And I, I mean, I, I would buy a significant amount of Darian chase stock. We've talked about, you know, his, his, Potential, but I was surprised that he wasn't uh, on more lists. Yeah, than he was. Yeah, I just I think a lot of it speaks to just
0: the depth and the quality of the class in general. If you can go this deep and be like, well, this guy. I mean, think of all the names we just said there. Like we started with Luke McCaffrey, and then I think you mentioned Mills, Nance, Farmer, Lynn, and uh, now Chase, and you know one guy who. Uh, barely made the super six and and was left off a a surprising amount of lists was Ty Robinson. Uh, So, I mean, that tells you how deep it is because in a lot of years, Ty Robinson would be the number one guy um, because of how Nebraska had recruited in the past. And also just the need and an interest in the defensive line. And it was a big recruiting win. And yet in the super six, he comes in at number six. So it's a, it's kind of interesting to go through this stuff. I love going back through old years. 2017 was the Super 6 composite of guys who were transferring. Uh, it's just amazing going through that list. And and it kind of explains to you where the struggles come from in a program when, mm-hmm. you, when you go back and you look through this stuff. But uh, I wanted to go into 2020 today, but I'm going to save that for next week um, so that way we can jump into – a little bit of baseball and basketball before we wrap this up. Baseball starts this week, and we don't know what the projected lineups and rotation looks like at all, right?
2: Uh, we've got a, a more clear idea than we did last week. So Set the table a little bit. They are where and they're playing who? They are in Riverside, California, playing... UC Riverside, led by former Major League Baseball pitcher Troy Percival and teammate of Darren Erstad. Um, This this is going to be an interesting weekend for Nebraska because they are taking 30 players on this trip. They are taking 16 pitchers. And I feel like you're going to see pretty close to a lot of those guys getting the game. Um, It's a young team at a lot of a lot of places um, they're also a healthy team which that's probably the the biggest storyline of january and february for this team is, is it's in the in years past it's like you've been crossing off guys that are not going to be available or injured or working their way back or whatever and this year nebraska actually has guys coming back from injury guys available um who haven't pitched didn't pitch last year guys that were limited last year or so uh chad linsman is, is going to be a guy to watch in, in the starting role um reese Edens is another guy that's probably going to be looked at as a starter uh connor curry a guy that uh, local kid who's had a lot of talk about him throughout his career as being a difference maker he's finally healthy uh he's going to get a chance to to probably pitch out of the bullpen but he'll go uh multiple innings if he can so a lot of those guys are coming back from injury Robbie Palkert's another one uh are just once a weekend guys so they've got seven or eight guys stretched out right now to start you're probably going to see with four games this weekend they're going to pair guys essentially so you're going to have two guys that are going to be ready to go on Friday you're going to have an opener opener and a, a lengthy relief guy wow if things go well um look
0: at the Tampa Bay Rays yeah. Rubbing off on Scott Frost. Scott Frost? Scott Frost, wow. <laughs> Darren Hurst. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: that's
0: terrible. That so, is absolutely terrible.
2: So that that's kind of where they're at. It, they're going to be really young at, at the plate, and, and I, I think they're going to be more balanced than they were last year where it was basically Wilkening and Schreiber and everybody else. But uh, Spencer Schwellenbach at third base is going to be a guy to, to watch as an early impact guy. Colby Gomez – Um another guy that, that is going to probably pitch but but also can hit as well. Uh, he's one of those guys that when you cover the College World Series, LSU has like 20 of them, but he's 6'5", 225, as a freshman looks the part. So it, it's the potential is there for this team to definitely have some struggles early on because of the schedule that they have. But I, I think that's it's a high upside team, and, and where they're being picked by a lot of these outlets like Baseball America, D1 Baseball, is because there's just so many unknowns about this team. But I, I think there's definitely a little bit of a quiet confidence over uh, at the baseball offices that this could be an okay team.
0: So are you predicting that they host a regional in 2019? Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Uh, No, I'm not.
0: Okay, but, Do they make a regional in 2019? Do they uh, get season
2: predictions? It's so early. Do like, they make – well, yeah, it's preseason. I know, but it, it, that's how it works. But it, it's like asking, like, okay, you haven't seen, like – two-thirds of these guys on the roster for Nebraska, where are they going to finish?
0: Did you mean early in relative to making the NCAA tournament or early in making predictions?
2: Even even to make, make predictions, I feel you're like. You're just, like, scared to put your name to anything. I'm not. I feel
0: like you are you're, a little you're bit. You're talking to well, the guy that— Well, they make
2: the Big Ten tournament. You're ta- yeah. You're, okay. you're talking to a guy that would make oddly specific predictions all football season, so I'm Yeah, not and that's why I'm, I'm— I'm not afraid. I'm confused that you're <laughs> so gun-shy right now. I'll call individual plays th- during this weekend, but I- I'm not going... Well, no one's going
0: to know that. It's no one's t- going to be sitting with you next to the radio while that's happening. That's true. Unless you're just tweeting it out in advance. Just, you're the new. You're like the Tony Romo of Nebraska baseball. Yeah. Palkert's going to throw a strike here. Yep. It's going to be on the outer edge, 87 miles
2: an hour. So if they stay healthy, they're, they're intriguing, I think, because they've got... Uh, They've actually got pitchers this year, which last year they didn't have at this time. So,
0: so we're we're hearing from you, Big Ten tournament qualification level team. Yeah, possibly no postseason beyond that.
2: I think that
0: in part because the schedule's
2: really hard. They with the schedule that they have, if they they don't have to win forty games to get into the postseason with the schedule that they've got like i I think that that's one of the reasons why i know that's one of the reasons why they schedule the way that they do but um you know the other part of that too is with the way the ncaa values early season games to help northern teams you're you're better off going one and three against a team like oregon state than you are playing and sweeping a team like a AI a team like some big 10 teams do so Mm -hmm.
1: You just have to deal with the perception of the record that some people...
2: Right. Right. Just... So, like, I mean, it's it, it's going to be tough. I mean, they play what, Oregon State for four next weekend, and then they've got a pretty tough tournament down in Texas where they're going to see Mississippi State, Sam Houston State, and I forget who the third team is in that tournament, but
1: Texas Tech, I
2: think. Yeah, it's it's Texas Tech.
1: Yeah. It's Texas Tech. Hopefully people stay patient with the season. They won't. I mean, if you start... Two and seven against that schedule, so be it.
2: I don't think people will be patient, but I think that this team does deserve patience because I, I, a lot of these young guys, I think, are, are pretty good players. You have talked me from when we initially talked baseball
0: earlier in the winter from, like, largely assuming that I wouldn't be much interested this year to now there's enough tenets of that they're healthy. I'm kind of curious what the pitching looks like. And then more so than anything, they got a lot of guys that – theoretically should bounce back from you know pretty ugly 2018s. Right. And so even if there's some positive regression in that regard, like they're going to be better. Yeah. And so I'm I'm intrigued in that. And a guy like Angelo Altavilla, honestly, I think could be a sneaky really good player if it comes together. His sophomore year he
2: is very good. He's shown in Summer ball, and, and you know, his time at Nebraska, he's probably closer to a 300 hitter than the 200. Right. The, the, two, yeah, that's, that he's the hitter. that's regression guy, but there's some other ones in there too. You have to remember, he, he had reconstructive surgery done on his face last year, had to go to the hospital after he got hit in the nuts with a baseball. Got benched by his coach because he jacked a home run yeah, to I the pim- moon. Yeah, he pimped a home run and got sent to the bench. I think it was
0: worth it, in all honesty, but. I'm, First, Dad and I have differing opinions on that,
2: apparently. You guys know where I stand on bat flips. I'm for them. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, let's close the show with as depressing of a conversation as Nebraska basketball as we can have, uh, and let's try to keep it under three minutes. They're, they're favored
2: tonight, somehow. Oh, hey, look. That's, uh, what, the yeah. sixth time in the last seven games? I don't know how, but they are favored tonight still. And uh, I'll let you guys discuss it since... You know, I just talked a lot about baseball. I feel like they're going to win one of these
0: two games this week. They're going to win at home against Minnesota or at home against Northwestern. So the next time we have this show, they will have a win. Because I'm willing to put my name to predictions, unlike some people wearing Cardinal hats right now.
2: (laughs) I'm willing to wear a hat that I got out of a random thing. BC is, too. (laughs) So
1: you're not even the only person at the table willing to do that. I know. Just saying. I think they're going to win against Northwestern and lose tonight.
2: All right.
0: Do you want a prediction, or do you want to say that it's too early for it?
2: No, no, it's it's plenty. They're still favored by four in this game.
0: The money that could have been made betting against Nebraska in this stretch—I mean, I'm sure there's people that have done it—but
1: uh, it doesn't surprise me that they're favored in a way, even as bad as it's been, because Minnesota can be inept offensively sometimes when you watch them. So they—they
0: they depend on getting to the free throw line. It a wouldn't
1: stun me if Nebraska. Won an ugly game tonight, but I'm sort of like at this point. I've I've been saying for a few games now, except Purdue, they're gonna get it done this time. Yeah, I think they're gonna break through, and I'm I'm just I can't do it anymore.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna predict a Minnesota seventy to sixty seven win. Nebraska covers, but Minnesota wins.
0: I think it's gonna be a lot lower scoring than that. I don't know what the underline is, but I might look at that. I'm gonna go with Nebraska sixty two.
2: Minnesota, 57. Total is
0: 137.5. I feel like I should go under that. But I went under the last time these two teams played, and they played into the 80s. And they well, shot a combined 700 free throws. And some old man in Minnesota was very fired up about that win.
2: Amir Coffey uh, looked like Michael Jordan in that game.
1: <laughs> so, It's worth noting, Bill Moose did uh, talk about Tim Miles last night on his radio show. And actually... Um, visited him and his staff last week, said it was a good visit. His quote was, I wanted to get a feel for what their thoughts were, and it was very helpful, and then just to encourage them and help them and embrace them. So that was Moose on the record on Miles. So he did go over there and have a sit down with – Just take
2: the temperature of things. With the guys. uh, Tonight's game you will see Tom Allen likely back in the lineup, starting lineup. No more Thor. They don't want to keep pushing that bench points number up? No more, uh, probably no Nana tonight, too. Yeah, um, that's going to be tough. With an though. illness, so you'll, you'll see uh, if no no Nana means more Amir Harris and more Brady Hyman, who actually played the game of his career to this point against Minnesota um, in December. So maybe he just uh, is all up in R- Richard Pitino's kitchen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> Anything else?
0: Is that everything? That wasn't as sad of a basketball conversation
1: as it could have been. It's sort of like going through stages of, like I think people have moved on to the acceptance stage of the season. I think that it's smart
0: that we bury this at the end so people get to 97% of the podcast before they jump out. (laughs)
2: They're basically going to skip through the first 10 minutes and then end.
1: Why are they going to skip those? Those were great. Just saying. I like the breakdown that's out there from I get from people. There's some who are big supporters of the ten minute banter, yeah. And then there's others who are like, "Well, I moved right ahead over that." (laughs) Well, it's
0: just like the tweet we got the other day about too much hot shots on Twitter and not enough. I uh, think that guy was actually serious too. He was.
1: He wanted us to only. You should only every topic in your life should be about Nebraska football it's, With uh, family, with friends, and on Twitter There's more people like
0: that Than we probably care to acknowledge So,
1: oh, yeah.
0: Anyways, if all you want is Nebraska coverage You can find it at Husker 24-7 And it's you true. can find it every single day Because that's what we do That's what the 24-7 stands for I don't know if people knew that It's not just a random set of numbers It stands for 24 hours, 7 days a week Brian looks impressed it's well, like the light just clicked. I off. did
1: mention maybe throwing in some dog coverage too, but and yeah, I mean we could we could possibly do that,
0: but uh, we won't need to because there'll be things happening. Bruns will have some baseball. We got some basketball coming up here. Recruiting's going on. Nebraska's still making some offers. We'll talk some more 2020 next week on the podcast, and uh, we'll see if Nebraska has a new defensive line coach yeah. at the time we talk next Wednesday.